In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Our guest today is Teresa Fiola. I am so excited to be talking with her. We've been working with her for about eight months. Her pelvic room, the pelvic room, has grown from eight patients a week to 25 plus. You're firmly in that little happiest little clam phase. Teresa, thanks so much for being on. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad it's my turn to chat with you a bit and tell my story. Absolutely. I love these things. Every time we have these conversations, I feel like I get to know you guys so much better. And not that we haven't gotten to know each other over the months of working together, but we're always so focused on like, oh, the next thing and all of the things that we have to do, we don't actually get to like sit down and just chat. So I'm really excited to dive in and First of all, Nicole and I owe you a huge debt because you were a mentor for someone who's now flown out and is now working in California. So first of all, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. It was an exciting twist. It really was. It was great to watch her thrive and grow and just create the life that she wanted after I just did a similar thing, took a leap and just made the life that I wanted. And of course, it's always hard to take that first step. And I hope in some way, watching me take that dive, it really helped her to move across the country and completely change lifestyle. And I know she is thrilled and thriving. So it's good to see. She's got an ocean view from her plays. Dr. Kelsey's doing amazing, but I know she credits you with really sparking her interest and really being a hugely important guide for her on that. So talk to me a little bit about your interest in pelvic health, because I don't know, I'm a little bit of a history buff. I'm fascinated by the history of the pelvic PT field. And you were there for some of this stuff, right? In the late nineties, like I would consider you in that second generation of pelvic PTs. Like what got you into it? Because back then, and correct me if I'm wrong, It was kind of a little bit of like a weird subspecialty. It was weird to be interested in that stuff. (laughs) Very weird. So I graduated University of Pittsburgh, 1987, and went directly into acute rehab to get a well-rounded base, really, and then found myself in sports because I was always an athlete. I thought that was my calling and my passion. So I was working an outpatient. I don't even recall what led me to take the Elizabeth Noble course? I think it was really more from that outpatient sports place, wanting exercise class, wanting a prenatal exercise class. And so I went to an Elizabeth Noble course. And I wish I could even remember where it was. I just remember it being pretty standard, like here's the exercises that you're allowed to do. 
And it was just this little set routine that we did at the time. She went over precautions and why a little bit of anatomy. And I came back and, you know, started to do her exact exercise program. That was all I knew. That's all the further it went. At the end of her course, there was a kind of an exploration. It was just very different where she was taking us through our own birth and how that impacts you. Now, I know there's a lot more out there that people are doing with how our birth impacts us, how the birth that we give, the birth that we go through. But at that time, I was young and it just seemed a little bizarre. (laughs) So I was working in outpatient. I was doing that. And I guess it was around... Oh, in the early 90s, um, my OB, GYN, just started talking to me about, hey, you're a physical therapist and I see you're doing these prenatal exercise classes at the hospital. Why don't you get into incontinence? I see them, you know, they're talking about it in my medical journal. I was like, "Uh, what are you talking about? Why would I want to do that? I'm this young athlete working with athletes and (laughs) I'm not understanding. So that OB happened to go on to deliver all three of my children just very coincidentally. It's a large group. You get who you get when you go into labor, when you go in there. And after each one, he would bring it up again and he would say, you know, I, I think you should look into this, maybe get into this. It might be something for you. Finally, by my third child, I said, okay, I will try it out. And I do remember there was zero talk. I had no idea. I wasn't familiar with anything. I even remember saying to him, you don't think I have to do an internal, do you? And he said, yes, and just get over it is what he said to me. I don't know what made me just go. I had to go from Pennsylvania up to Connecticut to a course. It was in a conference room. We had to cover the windows of this conference room that was just right off the lobby of a big hotel, cover the windows so people couldn't see in. And when it came time for lab, we put a sheet down on the hard table that we were writing on. And that was our lab table. And we were undressing there and laying on the table. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what in the world am I doing? This is absolutely bizarre. I wish I could remember the turning point, but it was sometime during that weekend course that it went from, this is bizarre and weird to, oh my gosh, I need to help women. This is insane that we can help all these things that women are suffering with. And nobody knows this. And So I I came back and started doing a little dabbling and a little treating in our outpatient department. It always, I guess, started for our career. The pregnancy was really the big thing. I was involved in giving out TENS units for labor and delivery. I tried TENS unit um, during my first one. So that was about as detailed as it got, the exercise classes, the tens for delivery. And I didn't have any other knowledge really. And nobody really was talking too much about it. So that's how it's crazy. Hold on. I, cause I think that there's, there's too many people in the field who don't really recognize how everything has evolved. So that class that you were taking, that was from Holly, Holly Herman. 
That's the first course then I did. Yep. After Elizabeth Noble. Yep. That's right. That's Got right. it. And so, but you're literally in a conference room. I'm imagining like butcher paper. I don't know why over the windows. <laughs> I, yes. Yes. Something you're like hearing that. Hearing people walking by outside. Yep. Right. The, everyone else is around. Yep. You're literally doing public exams on, is it more butcher paper on top of? We actually had a sheet. It was okay, upgraded. We had a sheet. On yes. top of conference room tables. Yep. And at some point during that, you were like, I'm in, this is it. I need to be doing <laughs> right. this. Right. But that's so cool. I love hearing kind of those origin stories, honestly, because I think we take for granted now. It's like, oh, you can go. Do you want to take the APTA track? Do you want to take Herman and Wallace stuff? Do you want to do evidence in motion? Do you want to do pelvic PT rising courses? All of those options that are out there. And you had to like, I don't even know. How did you even find Holly? Like you must've been, you found her, drove there. It's in this like weird setup. Like it's <laughs> right. totally different than it is today. I, I just yes. think that's so fascinating that it, you had a completely different experience learning to be a pelvic PT than anybody right. graduating now does. Right. And I think it was just hard because you weren't seeing Instagram, Facebook, you weren't just information wasn't easily accessible. Groups, asking like the huddle, asking people's advice. It was so slow. Like nowadays, I feel like, man, people get up and running and get very good in this field so much faster. I mean, took me from then (laughs) until, you know, now to get a lot of knowledge and where you really, and even now there's still so many unanswered questions in this complex area. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. And early on for that, is that just a lot of trial and error after you get kind of the basics, you've got a weekend course under your belt from Holly, you come back, you start treating, but like you said, there's not those resources. There's not podcasts and pelvic PT huddle and all the books or whatever. You didn't have a mentor locally. Right. How do you get better? Is that really just trial and error seeing what works? It was, it was a lot of, I started off doing a lot of biofeedback, external biofeedback. It was the name of the game at the time. And as we all evolve, like even Holly's instruction now and the way that everything is taught with the internal assessments is completely different. I mean, at the time, I don't think she even had it down like she does now, making it as easy as possible to learn. But I certainly made the quintessential mistake that we all talk about. And that was giving somebody Kegels who had high tone pelvic floor. I mean, that was definitely not talked about early on that half the people need relaxation. So I got a nasty letter feedback. And at the time it was devastating, but I grew, I learned and I grew. It was a woman who I guess then went on to, I don't know where, had other information, whatever. And she wrote me a note saying, what you did was wrong. That's not what I needed. And it's very humbling. And so I'm trying to remember how it all, you know, probably just led me to search, do more coursework, do anything I could. So I was kind of doing that with acute care while I was raising my children, because that was a nice schedule to do acute care. And then I was doing outpatient for the hospital. And I was the only one. I was mostly doing biofeedback. I was trying to figure things out. And then in, I guess, 09, I decided to take the leap to a local 
woman who had her pelvic practice and I was going to do this full time. And so there's where things like really start. At least you had somebody to talk to, bounce ideas off of. What do you know? Where have you trained? What can we do? And I got better. And then from that encouragement, I went on 2014. I got my WCS, my Women's Certified Specialization through the APTA. And then the next year in 15, I got my PRPC through Herman and Wallace. And I do think speaking to all the older PTs out there, it's very hard. How many fields change so drastically in a short period of time in my career? So I have BS in PT and it's hard then to see, you know, shortly after that it was masters, but at that time it was sort of like, well, do I want to go back? I had just gotten out of school. It, It wasn't, you know, not a lot of my classmates weren't going back and upgrading to the master's. So I never did. And then you get working and whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden your field has changed to doctorate level. And as somebody who is a bit competitive an athlete and just loves what you do and you want to keep staying abreast and you want to feel like people respect you and I think that was some of the drive always to learn, to do more. I mean, I have gone through a lot of courses to get those two certifications to say to people, I have the only two certifications in this area meant a lot. It was just your way of, of showing that everybody now is called doctor and is a doctorate of PT and you're not. And I correct people all the time who say, oh, Dr. Fiola. And I'm like, no, I'm old. <laughs> so in a way, that's awesome. It kept me motivated, kept me just striving um, to be better, to know more, and the passion for the field. Uh, you know, I had no idea at the time that the passion would really come. I think because I'm really kind of a strong, independent woman. So a lot of it is that, that just helping women succeed has led from one thing to another um, in my career now and and expanded. But I must say, in the middle of all that, I had a urologist call me from the hospital and said, oh, Teresa, I'm going to send a a gentleman over for the incontinence program. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I stop right there. No, I, I only treat females. And literally, he had to say to me, Teresa, there's no one else. It's the same. Just do what you can. And I remember being so nervous and I can still picture this gentleman. He changed the trajectory once again of my life and my job. He came in with a backpack and he was just distraught and depressed. And he said, this backpack is filled with pads. So he had prostate cancer, prostatectomy, and just could not get the incontinence under control. And here He just had the mechanics backward and the breath backward and his stress and his tension and his holding. And as soon as I taught him a couple things, the problem was solved quickly and easily. And the look on his face, the gratitude from that point on, I was also seeing men. (laughs) Man, there's so much I want to pull out of that, but that's so fascinating. And I just want to commend you because I think it's an interesting combination of I don't if it's humility and courage to continue to want to grow. Because I think a lot of us, when faced with, man, my training isn't there, like the field's passing me by, oh, I got this letter from this patient. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, myself included, would really double down on, 
whatever. I did it the way that Holly taught it. That's right. And there, there's a cognitive dissonance that we're all trying to avoid with how do I reconcile the fact that I wasn't providing the best possible care for those people early in my career? Yes. And it sounds like you just blasted past that, acknowledged it like, Hey, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't treat that woman the way that I would treat her today. Right. But you're okay with that because it's like, yeah, we're all growing and getting better. But I think that's a real challenge for a lot of people. Was that something that was just innate to you? Or did you really, did you feel that resistance to like, maybe I want to just hunker down with those first couple of courses I have. And, you know, everyone's, most people are fine at the hospital I'm working at. And, you know, I don't really need to go back and do all the stuff I need to do for a WCS, do everything I need to do for a PRPC. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is that athlete and that competitiveness, or I guess probably people would describe me as just big hearted and it's always wanting to help. And I knew that there was nobody doing this and you want to help. And to see that gentleman walk in and just, you want to help. Let me just do what I can. Something is better than nothing. I'll try that whole attitude, I guess maybe working acute rehab at the beginning and just seeing what is possible and miracles and just there's not one path, always trying different things. And yeah, it just evolved and and thank goodness worked out. And and before we were recording, we were talking a little bit about some of those moments. And I think you've described a couple of them, the ones that don't really seem that important at the time. And that end up changing really the trajectory of your career. One of my favorite writers talked about those as like river teeth. And he talked about like a log that would fall into a river. And as it's worn away, the only thing that is still left are the the really hard knots, the little swirls that are still sticking above. Everything else gets kind of rinsed away. And even though those little knots weren't really important at the time, they're one of those things that's like still sticking there. And to me, it's like some of those stories you're telling are just like that, that, that first conference that you had with Holly, the letter that you got from that patient saying, Hey, this wasn't the way to treat me with my chronic pain. That, that guy that post prostatectomy who you were able to get better. Do you kind of feel that? Is that what you were talking about with some of those moments that you didn't realize at the time mattered, but in retrospect Mm -hmm. made all the difference in your path? Yeah, definitely. I think being an athlete has now helped me on the end where a lot of what I do is women who postpartum, they want to get back to their athletics, you know, and I, so I have that part in me, the evolution into pain and how complex that is. I'm almost at that same point that I was at the beginning of my career where it's like trying to figure it out and going to all these courses and it's evolving and it's almost like a completely new field within the field. Let's see where else that I know there's so many of those. Oh, I know just me making that mistake and having that feedback from the woman. There's so many times that I hear from local practices. Everybody wants to offer the big PT practices want to say they have pelvic program and yet they don't put in the investment in the people and doing it right. And I try so hard to just be open and okay, that clinician might not know. They're just starting out, just like I didn't know that, you know what, there's really a better way. Try to guide, try to show people in a very positive, light way why maybe 
being just in a curtained room with an internal exam in the middle of a gym is not right? Why maybe not having any specific pelvic coursework and saying you're treating pelvic issues is not quite right? And how in-depth that can get. And the last thing we want to do is do more harm. And so trying to enlighten and educate people. And so there's a little bit of where now I'm working out of a collaborative wellness facility. And so I work with holistic care, acupuncture, Reiki, massage, meditation, psychological counseling. And the owner, Hilary Sohn, at the Healing Sanctuary has a vision of uniting more allopathic medicine and holistic medicine. And and there's where we get the true good healthcare for the client when those two branches can talk together and work together. So it has been great where I am trying to educate and be in the middle. We always joke that me being pelvic, I'm in the middle of the body. I work between the medical community and the holistic community. And we try to bridge that. I work with more like large physical therapy practices that are orthopedic based and trying to bridge the gap of, well, pelvic is physical therapy, but you know what? It's also different, (laughs) you know? And So now I feel like a lot of my passion and calling is to help build, bridge those two, certainly help the medical community see what we do and have them be more of a part because as we've all discussed, I mean, that is not where the referrals come directly. And unfortunately, that just makes a long and windy road for a patient to try to find that care or to believe in that care. And I look forward to the day where I don't have to spend an hour on the phone with a inquiry about coming to my practice, trying to explain what pelvic PT is, what it does, why you should come. I want it to just be like the dentist. I just, okay, I I go to the dentist. I call up, I make my appointment. I have to do a lot of education and explaining for every single person that comes in. Now, don't get me wrong. That's part of what I love. I love to educate. I love to educate people who end up not even coming to my practice because I am cash-based, but at least I did my part to help that person get on the path to healing. So I explain what it is. I explain what it looks like, what good care looks like. I explain where possibly you could maybe get some other care if it's not me. I explain, don't just live with these symptoms. There is a path out and kind of feel that I've done my part, even if they don't come and see me. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that was one of the crazy things about that story about your OB who pushed you into becoming a pelvic PT. I couldn't believe it when you told me, because you said he's still practicing there and you're like, oh, so my assumption would be, oh, great. He must send you everybody. He must be so excited that you took his advice, became a pelvic PT. And then you told me no. And I, my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe it. No. 22 years ago, I finally took that course that my OB was bugging me to get into to take incontinence. And he delivered all three of my boys. Finally, after the third, I said, okay, I'll I'll try a course. And he has referred directly, maybe, and only at the beginning of my career, four patients probably. Knows me, sees me, 
I work with all the docs around the area and it's not just him. I mean, you know, there's, there's so many, and that's why. So now it's like finding like-minded clinicians and practitioners. And so I'm starting a local perinatal partners, we're calling it to try to just meet and make it easier to refer clients from here to there. So we're, we're meeting with doulas and personal trainers and nurse practitioners and massage therapists, anybody that works at that time period for women, because it is a crucial turning point. And my hope is that eventually we get to pull out the like-minded OBs and they will actually see what else is out there and what we're all doing to support this time period for women and hoping that they can get on board with us and we could all work together a little bit better for the, for the sake of women. <laughs> hey, I love hearing about what you're doing in that local community, about how you're finding your tribe, about even how you're working in that sanctuary of people being able to see all of the different options out there. I love, there's so much about that that I love, but I'm going to have to take a step backward in your story to get there because I was shocked because it seems to me, and I, I would assume to many of our listeners, you've been in business for yourself not that long of a time. You're already doing things like these perinatal partners. You are integrating into the community. It is shocking to me when you said, oh, I, I never even wanted to run my own business. I said, I would <laughs> never do that. And it seems like yes. you've taken to it like a duck to water. So explain that if you will, Teresa. Yes. Well, I think a large part of why I felt so comfortable with yourself and Nicole, like you reminded me Nicole's personality reminds me a little bit of mine, but you and my husband, my husband is a finance guy from the moment we met. It was the time when big Jim Croce, I guess, was doing some PT giant practices in the area. And so this was 1990. And my husband said, oh, we're going to open a place. I'll, I'll be your business guy. And we're going to open our PT place. And I was like, no way. Who would ever want to do that? The insurance, blah, blah, blah. I want to leave work and shut the door and be done. He literally just, he would bring it up a lot and was always like, come on. Or when I would get frustrated at work, that would be his thing. Come on, we're going to open your place. And I was like, no way. You're nuts. We're just going to be working all the time. I'm going to hate it. No And lo and behold, (laughs) that my whole thing is never say never. I was like, no way, not having a business. No way, I'm not doing an internal exam on somebody. You know, and now I'm saying, no, I'm not going to hire people. I just hired an admin. And now I'm saying, no, I'm not going to have another PT. But who knows? Talk to me next year. I don't know. I I just flow where life takes me. As long as I'm happy and helping people, it's all good. So yeah, he COVID really gave me a moment to stop and think. And really what happened was I got pushed to the limit. I really was burning out big time in the traditional system. And I thought there was something wrong with me. I was perimenopausal. So I was like, ah, maybe you're just getting moody and your hormones or you're getting old, you're too tired to keep up. But really it was the system. Like I just seeing that many people bringing my notes home and sitting there at night for hours, putting a whole bunch of information into the computer that no one is reading or understanding. And I would always joke with my coworkers that, ah, man, you should have seen 1987. (laughs) Our career was the best. Like there was none of the bad, all of the good. It's about me and the patient. 
they're happy, I'm happy, I see you getting better every day, no outcome measures, no continuing education, no insurance, hassles, paper charts, soap note, life was just awesome. So maybe it's because I saw that and I had that vision versus maybe somebody getting out now who doesn't have that to compare to that I just felt like I'm not paying any attention to the patient. There's no care in the healthcare. I was starting not to even be able to recognize names and people in the waiting room because they were just all coming through so quickly. And with information being on the computer for me anyway, maybe it's my old generation. I don't know. It all looked the same. Every client looked the same. And so I tried everything. I was like eating right. I exercise always. I was doing yoga before work. I um, was trying meditation. I went to meditation courses to cope with work. And I kept saying, okay, this shouldn't be like this. I am the most positive person. I love life. And for me to be struggling through work like that, it's just something's wrong. And I think I would have kept up and just, I just thought there was no other way. And I kept saying, I love what I do, hate how I have to do it. But I was getting to the point I was going to work at a coffee shop or something like I was like, oh, you're close enough to retirement age. Just, just retire. I'm not that old. I'm not that close to retirement, but I was, I was just wishing my life away. So COVID happened and I, I had a two week furlough and, and break. And thank goodness, my coworker hooked me on to the huddle and we started listening to the huddle. And then there was talk about the business course. And I took the business course. And then there was talk about the mentorship. And believe me, every step of the way, I was sort of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know. But just in my gut, deep in my gut, I just went with it. I knew that there could be better happiness, you know, and, and a better way. And my whole thing was, I want personalized, caring treatment. And so that is sort of what's happening now. I have paper charts. I get to look at the person. I scribble stuff. I, your home program is you and I going over in your words, my words. This is exactly for you. It is not a pre-printed exercise. Remember how we just did this and remember how you, you want to use your back. And I said, no, 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 don't use your back here. And that's all written down. And then people are texting me questions. I'm answering the phone. I'm scheduling. I'm saying, oh, your son is sick. Oh, you know, gosh. And then when I see you, is he better? And it's, it's just that really personalized one-on-one care. And that was for me, the part that I missed and that I needed. Gosh, I love hearing that. And I love hearing, I mean, you just hear in your voice, like you're lighting up when you're talking about the way that you're getting to treat people now. And I do think that's really interesting is that you felt that earlier in your career, like the field has gone away from that in a lot of ways. You had that in your mind, this like platonic ideal of how everything should be. And now you're being able to create that for yourself. And I think your description dealing with an insurance-based practice and seeing people every 30, 35 minutes, whatever that was for years and years, is probably like the best description I've heard of that of you're doing all these things so you could cope with work. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Like you're, you're, oh man, I, I need to, in order to not hate my life, I need to eat right yes. and do yoga and exercise and meditate and do all of these different things 
just so I can survive the eight to five and not be providing the care you want. Now, on the converse side, I'm so excited you're providing that kind of personalized care you want now, but I'm sure it was not easy to make that transition, especially when it was something you'd been resisting for a long time. (laughs) Talk to me about what were some of those big hurdles that you found? Is there anything that in running your business, because I know now it's looking all, you know, unicorns and rainbows right now, but I'm sure it was not that way early on as you were starting off. You know what? I have to say, you guys made it easy. I I would say, yeah, you're right. There's been a couple little snafus, but man, it was easy. You showed me the possibilities. You guided me. And yet you mentor so many people. And yet we each have a very individualized business. And that's what you're constantly going back to is, yeah, but Teresa, what do you want? And what do you know, it's, it's not just that you're mentoring us all in the same form. And so luckily I've practiced in the same exact area for 34 years, knew a lot of people in the community. So where I landed, I knew the owner and it just, I had no idea. I literally like quit and didn't exactly know what I was going to do and started talking to her. And then this just evolved. And that relationship is, is just wonderful. And that helped my business grow to just rent a room in this established facility was so helpful to me and took out a lot of the issues. Knowing all the people in the area having clients in the past that would come, having a great relationship with the place that I even left and that they were willing to give out my information. When a client would call and say, hey, I I was always seeing Teresa, you know, years ago or whatever, they were awesome about giving my information. And so all of that made it pretty smooth and easy. I think one of my just, you know, little hard stumbling blocks was the cash based because I didn't want to feel elitist. And to me, that was a little, I had to get past that mindset that it's only for the wealthy that can afford this. And so there's been such a mind shift change for me now in that realm. So, you know, I think that might've been one of the biggest and hardest things for me. Um, How did you get past that? Cause I know, I remember we talked about that early on and, and I feel like one of the things that's interesting, you talk about individualized care, you know, of course, Nicole being a PT believes in individualized mentorship too. So it is different for everybody. I love that yes. you see that. That's really cool. But yeah. speaking of individualized, because I think all of us have to square the cash PT model in our own way. There's not one, you know, like it's not like we give you one mantra that you repeat over and over again and cash PT is okay. Cash PT is okay. You know, (laughs) how did you square that in your mind with not wanting to be elitist, but realizing the truth that every model says yes to some people and no to other people? What, what made that finally click for you? I think hearing so much that you've educated me on as far as just how insurance works, uh, the history of watching people be surprised at bills at the old place. They months down the road, Oh, guess what? Your insurance didn't pay as much as we thought. So now you owe this. And I, that's not right either. And you're right. There's always somebody being left out. And 
So I think me trying to balance that, at least in my own way, is in a small way, the education that I give people and the amount of time I give people when they call, even if they're not coming to me, I, I just feel like, okay, I'm helping in some way. I'm helping you in some way. And if, if, if not me, okay, I'll help move you to the right practitioner. We're not all perfect for everybody. Like even my personality, even my knowledge is not perfect for every um, person. And I have really found that it's amazing. I try not to even get stressed out about it now when people say, oh no, I'm not going to come with you. Or no, I want to use my insurance because I really have seen how the tide goes up and down. The, the right people come, which actually makes me a better practitioner. I'm happy. I'm not fighting or arguing or, or like, it just all works. And because I can only see so many people, I just take it as, okay, this works. I, get, I you know, there's so many, everybody out there needs pelvic floor PT. I, I can only see a handful of people. So this is how it's working. It's working for me. And it gives me time to do things on a bigger model. So I think maybe it's with age that I also, for the first time ever, I've had time. It was part of why I wanted to open my own practice. I wanted to do some volunteerism. So one thing that I did was I just joined the um, inclusion and diversity committee for the APTA. So I feel like, okay, I'm going to try to help other people uh, of varying backgrounds and maybe that helps me to not feel that I'm only serving one, you know, small segment of our population. I try to mentor as many young PTs as I can. I have time to do that. I have energy to do that and excitement. I volunteer with trying to bring the community together. Um, so I think it balances it out, you know, and you can just hear it in somebody's voice when I'm the right person for them. There's a couple categories. There's the category that calls in and immediately is hooked and their cash base, no problem. And I don't have to say anything. Then there's the category of they're not really sure, but once they talk to me, wow, we are a perfect fit and they're going to make that work somehow. And, and it's important. And they see the value because of my experience, my passion, how I run my business, whatever. And then there's that other segment that, nope, uh, I'm just not the right person for them. And it's just all working. It's. I love that acceptance of yeah that that we're not we can't be all things to all people all the time, and we right. we have to be okay with that in any setting that we're in. Yes. Talk to me about what has changed life wise because it sounds like you were burned out. Now <laughs> is burnout because I'm sure you're not working any less than you were <laughs> when you were working just for different. someone else. But <laughs> talk to me about that feeling because I mean just listening to you, it sounds that you just said that that you've got that time, that energy, that excitement back, and all the different things you're doing in the community. Yes. Where does that come from? Because it's not coming from, I don't think, truly yeah. decreasing the amount of time that you're working. Right, right. It's just working differently. And that gives me energy, honestly, like, and the variety. I'm out in the community. I'm marketing. I'm collaborating with people. I'm, I'm calling people. I'm trying to bridge traditional medicine, conventional medicine, Eastern, Western, whatever. I'm, I'm trying to do that bridge. And all that is just so energizing. I don't exactly know how many hours I work. I really, I have found for me personally, the 25 people a week is maybe the max or, you know, 27, you know, so that took a while that I had to 
fine tune and, and you helped me problem solve and, and what's the perfect schedule. And the beauty is too, the, I've now realized the perfect schedule sort of changes with the seasons almost. I'm a triathlete. I, well, before COVID, like, you know, I was, and now I'm training for a half and in Pennsylvania, it gets dark in the mornings. I was always running in the morning and now I can't run in the morning. It's like, okay, how can I tweak the schedule to maybe have an afternoon for a long run? And all that flexibility just is the antidote to burnout, the opposite of burnout, right? And at the end of the day, knowing that I gave the best care I could give and that they could receive is the antidote to burnout. So yeah, it's exciting. And I'm learning something new every day. I didn't even know there was something called an e-fax. I <laughs> like, I'm always, I'm always figuring something out. So sometimes that can be stressful, but it can also, if you just reframe it in your brain, like, you know what, I'm growing, I'm learning. I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Uh, I think that's so, yeah. a that's a beautiful thought to end this on too of when you're providing the best care you you know you can do like man that yeah. that's an antidote to that feeling that you were feeling. So Jason, thank you so much for jumping on with us. It's been so much fun talking with you. I love doing these. And honestly, it's been so much fun just watching you progress. I feel like you have such a vision for where you want your practice to be, for where you want your life to be. And I love that you're just really in pursuit of that. And it's really fun when you get to this stage where you're in that happiest little clam, where you have that wait list, you're as full as you want to be. And now we can start tweaking things. This is one of my favorite start where it's like, man, what happens if we do not start until 10 a.m. so you can get your morning runs in? What happens if we do take every other Friday off so you can go on a three-day weekend? You know, all of those things, like this is this is where it really gets fun, where we can really start just making the business truly work for you. And it's, it's so much fun to see you have grown. I know how much work you've put in to get to this point. And I'm really glad that you're excited about it and well-deserved success with all of that. So I just want to throw it back to you. If there's anything else that you want to say on the Pelvic PT Rising podcast, here's your shot. But I just appreciate you so much for being on with us today. Oh, well, I can't thank you enough. You literally changed my career, changed my life, the trajectory of the end of ending of my career at some point, how the path has just lit up. So I can't thank you enough, you and Nicole, everything you've done, the rising family. It is awesome. I feel like we know each other and have, we've never met. And um, you always get your questions answered when you're having a little low moment, there's always somebody there to lift you up or to say, yes, I've done that. If, if you're just not sure about a certain form or a certain way to do something immediately, you have those answers. So that just, that makes it so much easier. So yeah, I would just encourage anybody who's not completely satisfied with their career to take the leap. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. It's been so much fun working with you guys. I'm going to put Teresa's information up. She is the owner of The Pelvic Room in Exton, Pennsylvania. You can get in contact with her. You can always get in contact with us because we do want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.